0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 472. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakeshaw. Hey Kevin. Oh hi. This week on the show, we got two reviews lined up for you with Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool and M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. We'll also be going over someone we're watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in Theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We had an unexpected cancellation last week, because Kevin's car broke down. How is your car? Car is a-okay.
1: Nice. Just need to give myself a new battery. One of them newfangled batteries. Ah,
0: okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Crisis averted. There. Mm-hmm. So we were gonna we were gonna review Infinity Pool last week, and you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So I guess we can start. There, what do you think? Or do you want to start with Knock at the Cabin, which is, I, I think that came out before Infinity Pool. They're both on demand right now.
1: They're both out there. Yeah. You can
0: watch them. Yeah, we can go
1: Infinity Pool. Let's
0: do it. All right. So as I said, this is written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. I have a synopsis here. James and M. Forster are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of La Tolka. When a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. Hmm. How about that? Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of infinity pool? Uh, going
1: into this, I really did, I had no idea what we were dealing with. Like, I didn't really know the premise of this. at Same. all.
0: I, I went in deliberately blind on this one. Like, Brandon Cronenberg's the type of director where I feel like you get the most out of his movies if you just know nothing going into them. So that's kind of what I try to do with
1: his. Yeah. So it sounds like we're both successful because once the kind of like the premise presented itself, I was like, okay, this is an interesting idea. I like this. And it's much like. I mean, I had the same experience that I had with Possessor, honestly. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, I really like this idea. This is great. Let's see what he does. And then he doesn't do much with it. And I feel like Infinity Pool, he explores it more so than he does in, in Possessor. So, like, I feel like he's making improvements. But still, Infinity Pool became a bit redundant to me where i was like okay yeah I, I, I get it i get it are we gonna to explore it a little bit more and then it's kind of the same thing same thing same thing and then finally we switch up where things we start exploring at it from like a different angle but at that point i was just like man you already beat it into the ground so yeah. by that like the end of this movie i was just i was tuned out not to say completely tuned out but i was just he, he drastically lost my interest towards the end of this movie.
0: Uh the same thing happened with me. I liked this movie overall. I I think that I liked Possessor more than you did. And as a result, I think that I kinda liked Possessor. Just the just the overall narrative of Possessor more than Infinity Pool, because I feel like we've seen a lot of movies that tackle privilege and wealth and classism and all that of that stuff. Like we've we've seen a lot of that recently. And I feel oh my like goodness. And, and I feel like I've seen like, uh, tr- like Triangle of Sadness. I think is a good example of a movie that that sort of tackles those topics and themes like in a in a better way. That being said, I I still liked where in or like what Infinity Pool was presenting. There was this this kind of sci-fi element to it. I don't know how much we should give away. Like I don't know. Like I said, I went in completely cold, so I'm not sure. Like it looks like I have the IMDb page pulled open, and it's playing the trailer here, and it looks like maybe it does give it away in the in the trailer at least the the basic kind of premise that we're dealing with with uh, surrogates. I believe that they call them, Mm -hmm. but clones, basically. I think we could say clones, and they do. He does some interesting stuff with. With that, uh, I like the idea of you know these rich, these rich hedonistic tourists that that take that concept of you know creating these surrogates and like using that as their like kind of twisted rich person game. Like, I thought that that was kind of an interesting thing to to dive into. It almost felt like this. This is Brandon Cronenberg's version of Crash. Like I, I was getting major like Crash vibes from from this. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of putting his own spin on the movie that his dad made so many years ago.
1: Yeah, I think there's just a part of me that has grown somewhat tired with the uh, critique of rich people, and not because I'm not fully for it. Right, I like. I like critiquing rich people, but it, it feels like it's just the same thing all the time. Like it's always rich people are on vacation. Yeah, like it's and, just, they, it's just an excuse to go to somewhere like insanely beautiful.
0: And with which, the, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. go for it. Go for it. I was just gonna say with this one, I just knew in the back of my mind, like as soon as things were being established, as soon as the the kind of the characters and and the, this world. Was established. I just knew that whatever happened, I wasn't going to be satisfied with how it ended. Like I just knew that these people, these <laughs> awful, awful people, were just they. They it was not going to turn out the way I wanted it to. Which was, yeah. you know, all of them dying. That's yes. that, that's what I wanted to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's always that disappointment because you know the critique is always, in a sense, realistic in that. Part of the critique is that they always get off, you know?
0: Well, that's, yeah. and
1: Double entendre.
0: And I, yeah, and I kind of, I feel torn about how, how it ends. And I know that this is like a, I'm starting to get into spoiler territory here. I'm not going to say specifically what happens, but part of me likes how it ended because it's like, yeah, that's exactly how it would be. But then part of me is like, man, these people were just so Fucking despicable that I wanted. I just wanted something more to happen there.
1: Yeah. I think another thing that gets me is like, there's this weird, and this is just a personal thing, but there's this weird feeling of people that are obviously not necessarily like uber wealthy, but wealthy. Like, wealthy. They're wealthy. And they're the ones that are, like, creating these critiques of the wealthy to, in turn, go on vacation and make more money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of interesting when you think about it. Like, you're just watching it like, this is all just fucking bullshit. This is so ridiculous. Especially because, you know, there's all this, like, Nepo baby talk recently. And I, I thought about that specifically while watching this. And I'm like, this is... A a person who was born into wealth and, you know, his, his dad is a hugely famous and influential director in the industry. And here he is making this, this critique on, you know, this, these types of people. And it's like, eh, I don't know.
1: And you got you know you got scars guard in there
0: yeah of course another nepo baby I'll, like
1: <laughs> it's just you know you're watching and you're like yeah i mean good on you for going at but it's just like oh let's critique ourselves for the peasants they'll fucking eat it up and we can go to these incredible locations for however many months to shoot our movie and we'll just make some money off of this, this is going to be wonderful not to say that like Cronenberg like Brandon Cronenberg is probably not like ridiculously wealthy but he's definitely he definitely has money that I don't have and the, yeah, the majority and, and, of people that are watching his movies do not have
0: and and uh, like honestly they probably you know Brandon Cronenberg probably lives a fairly normal life and wouldn't be lumped into to these, these people that are representing the movie and I'm sure that Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's he seems like a pretty normal dude too. But yeah. And then so you have Skarsgård in here. I also he, they they put him through the ringer in this movie. Like I wouldn't want to be him in in this. It looked like nope.
1: uh, <laughs> it looked like but it was I a do. very
0: unpleasant. Like like I get the locale was beautiful, but the the stuff that they put him through in this was not very uh, not very pleasant looking. I do, I do
1: appreciate that aspect of it It is where he's kind of like, he's married into money, so he's not necessarily one of them Mm -hmm. and he's desperately trying to be. So I appreciated that aspect of it. And I will say that I, you know, I thought he was pretty, pretty good in this, but I will say this was the first movie for me that Mia Goth like made sense. (laughs) Like, Like, I get it now. Where like people were freaking out with her on, in Pearl, and I was just like, yeah, she was. I mean, she was good, but I don't know. This was the movie where I was like, "What?" There's that scene of her like on the hood of the car oh, with a yeah. bucket of fried, and I was just like, okay, I get it. Yeah, cause she's <laughs> she's out of her mind in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you see Mia Goth at this point. I think that if you see Mia Goth as like in the in the uh, in the cast. You're, you're going to be in for some some something crazy because she is definitely... I mean, she, she better be careful because she's going to end up typecasting herself with some of these roles that she's in. But she's an yep. absolute nut in this movie. And she does a great job. I think that... Uh, yeah, she's incredible in this movie. Yeah, I think that she's she's such a... I mean, she just... <laughs> every role that she's in, man, she just gives 110%. She's like the, she's like the, the woman, the female version of Nick Cage at this point. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uber violent. Uh, I think that that's something that you, if you're familiar with Brandon Cronenberg's other films, uh, it's, it should be expected. The level of violence in this movie is extremely over the top, grisly, realistic looking, uh, very unsettling levels of violence in this uh i i I saw that um i'm looking at it on imdb and it says uh, rated r however i saw somewhere else that said it was nc17 really yeah i can't remember where i saw that i might have it might have been on the movie database no that (laughs) says r2 i don't know but uh yeah super violent uh, the 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 makeup effects on this looked extremely real like very real to me uh disturbingly so especially there's like this one scene where somebody gets shot and it looks like they did such a good job with that one scene when the person gets shot in the face just looks mm-hmm. very just it just looked really very realistic and then there's also a somebody gets stabbed multiple times and it's like super close up of this person getting stabbed and it looked very real. So great job with the makeup effects, you know, with, um, Cronenberg's stuff. Uh, he likes to go with the ultra violence. I know that you, you criticized that before with possessor and I had, and I had a feeling that you would probably feel the same way about infinity pool.
1: I I, I feel, it's not as much as a critique in this movie as it was for Possessor. It seems like he, I don't know, and 100%, I could be wrong, but it feels like he has the ideas for the violence and then kind of constructs a a story to justify it. Whereas instead of just creating the story and then being like, okay, well, this will be a violent. To me, it always seems like he gets like distracted by, like his depictions of violence and he just focuses on that which was the issue that i had with possessor where it seemed like he just instead of uh an exploration of his idea he's just like well this is just an excuse to be super violent and he kind of does the same thing here but at least he explores it more so than he did with possessor like it felt like he was thinking ideas through and there just happened to be violence along the way whereas possessor it was like Oh, I'm just focusing on the violence.
0: Well one one aspect of note is that the violence is actually part of the the narrative here. Like the whole the whole thing is, and I guess I'll, I'll just give away this this portion of the plot. This this uh, this fictitious place that they're in. They have very strict laws. They're like super religious and basically any law you break, you get put to death, but there is a way that there's like sort of a loophole where you can have yourself cloned and they put the clone to death instead of you. And one of the stipulations or requirements is that you have to watch your clone being executed and what happens is Alexander Skarsgård's character accidentally hits somebody. He's, he's driving drunk. He hits somebody, kills the person. It's a hit and run, but he gets caught and obviously he gets put to death. But when he's watching his clone get murdered by the son of the man who was killed, he like kind of gets off on it. And then he realizes that there are other people at this resort who have had the same experience and they kind of like get off on watching their clones be brutally murdered. As yeah. Well. Cause it's
1: just, yeah. It's essentially if they have, if you have the money to get out of free card or get out of jail free card. Yeah.
0: You can just you do, can whatever. do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. And you just pay for your clone. They get knifed. You get the shift, and then you go back to your death.
0: So yeah, so the violence is sort of baked into the 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 plot, which is um more of a justification in this than I think in possess- Possessor. Although to be clear, I didn't really have a an issue with either one. I did like the masks in this; they were super creepy. <laughs> yes, there's they they wear these like native masks, and they are like the most horrifying looking things ever. Yeah,
1: they, they, they look, I uh, uh, can't remember the artist's name, Francis,
0: Francis Picon,
1: the, no, no, Picon, no. This, like, the twisted figures kind of looks like that a little bit, but yeah, they're disturbing. I yeah,
0: like... I, I feel like they could make a whole like slasher movie around those, those masks. They're so well done too. So yeah, overall, I I thought Infinity Pool was fine. It was a little bit, it was a little bit grating just because the characters are just so horrible and unlikable. I just so at the end of the day, I feel like it it overstayed its welcome. Uh, like you said, it does sort of begin to get repetitive as it goes on because it's like okay, we know like we know we know what's going on here we get we get the whole thing like we don't need them to go on another uh you know drug fueled excursion where they're doing you yeah. know de- debauchery we could just move on like move move things forward here so I, I yeah at the end of the day i think i liked possessor more although i will say that like Cinematography wise, like filmmaking wise on the technical level. I think that, that Cronenberg is definitely progressing like this. This feels like a, like each of his films feels a little bit more mature than the last. And I think that he has, he's like really developing his own voice. And uh, so looks great. I liked the, you know, kind of surreal aspects of it a little bit. I I remember when we were talking about this and I I think it was our most anticipated and you were, you were hoping that he was going to go like full on surreal with this one. And he, he did not. He, he did not
1: which I am kind of happy because he does the, he does a little bit of surrealism within the, you know, them taking drugs and kind of hated by the way. Yeah, and I was just like, yeah, no, that's good, that's good, because his, the way that he was depicting surrealism, I was like, yeah, he's not, he's not the right one for this. No, yeah,
0: it's more, it was more like a drug trip scene where,
1: yeah, it was they bad. were, it was
0: like this kind of like orgy that they were having, and you know, it it's just, just,
1: it was, it was everything that you would think it would be. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. kind of the, I did not like that. No, it was all right, poor, poorly filmed.
0: That's Infinity Pool. That is available on VOD right now. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, I'm sitting at like a... Oh, man. I'll give it like a six. That's what eh, I
1: would give it.
0: Yeah, I'll give it a six. Yeah.
1: I'll give it a six.
0: Good performances. Interesting concept, but overall... Eh. I mean, he's, he's, he's trying new things. Like, I'll give it to him that he's like trying... Trying to do something different. Even if it the themes are very common these days. Yeah. Alright, moving on to Knock at the Cabin. This is this is another one. It, it came out in theaters a few weeks ago and had a pretty quick VOD turnaround. This is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. I have a synopsis here. While vacationing at a remote cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. Now, we had talked about this movie a a few times in the past. It is uh, adapted from a book which... I didn't read, and if I remember correctly, you didn't read it, but your wife did and told you about it. Is that mm-hmm. that yes. is that correct? So yes. with that being said, I, I can't compare the two. Um, so I, I don't really know how close this sticks to the book or anything like that. I do remember you telling me that the book was very violent, whereas... Uh, this one, this movie, all the violence or most of the violence happens off screen. M. Night Shyamalan, and this is something that we discussed uh, in a previous episode, where M. Night Shyamalan doesn't necessarily do uh, like overt violence. He's not a a big fan of that. Um, so it was curious that he was working on a story that that apparently did have a lot of in your face violence. And I think he did a pretty good job of, you know, uh, alluding to the violence without showing yes. it. I think that, yeah. and and that's that's one positive thing that I'll say about this movie is that it looked great. I mean, this is a movie that is, it's, you know, a one location uh, set movie. And I think that oftentimes when you set that sort of restriction or limitation on, on a, a filmmaker, it really encourages them to be creative with the visuals so that they can keep audiences engaged, even though it's just like a very small cabin. Um, and I think that this movie looks great. Like he did a really good job with the cinematography. I loved the, uh, he did one of those, um, I'm pretty sure it was one of those robotic camera things that, that, um, that what's his name? Uh, Lee L likes to use. You know, like he did that in Upgrade and then he did it in Invisible Man where you program in the camera angles. Mm, okay. I'm pretty sure he did that. At least with that one shot where... Uh, he, I believe it's w- when Dave Batiste is like swinging... A, he's like swinging an axe. I'm pretty sure that's what he did in that scene to to make it look so smooth. Either way, looks great. The movie, uh, overall, I was not a big fan of. Uh, it just didn't... Uh, I just didn't think there was anything here. Like, there weren't any, like, big revelations or twists to me. Like, I pretty much knew exactly what this was going into it, and it didn't really go anywhere that I didn't expect. So, at the end of the day, I was just like, all right, that's the, that was the movie. It played out exactly how I expected it to. Not really many big surprises there.
1: Yeah, but there was a part of me that was, I think it was around halfway through, that I kind of got nervous, and I was really hoping that that's how it would be. Because at a certain point in time, I was like, I really hope there's not a twist, because I feel as though a twist would just absolutely ruin this movie well you know what i mean because, like it would just completely fall apart
0: right because if there was a twist then it would undermine everything that was leading up to that point and there was only really there was only like one feasible thing that could have happened yeah. as a twist and it would have been horrible so yeah. so I, i'm in a way i'm also glad that they did that he didn't like introduce some crazy twist because it would have, yeah, it would have been horrible.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. So the first thing that I want to say before I get into like actually talking about the movie before I forget about this is I'm wondering if M night Shyamalan has a a joke going on here. It's Jonathan Groff, you know, a lot of times just talking about how he looks like uh, Glenn Howerton and Dennis Reynolds and, of course, he's trying, driving a Range Rover in this movie. So I was wondering if that was a joke, that he's Dennis Reynolds.
0: That would be hilarious.
1: I would I would, thoroughly enjoy that. I'm, I'm telling myself that it is. But, so to the actual movie, um, you know, the, I think of the, is the premise, because it's a simple premise, right, that it's, it's talked about, in the trailer like they come the apocalypse or whatever
0: right that's not a spoiler no that's that is not a spoiler okay
1: so they show up and they're like hey apocalypse you got to make this decision so you know things happen things transpire first thing it comes on the television is kind of alluding to what a lot of people throughout history you know a lot of people have thought that it's the end of the world apocalypse is coming because there's terrible shit happening in, in the world which pick any moment in history and there's terrible shit happening right so there was that vagueness that like ambiguity that it was like well is it actually happening or is you know are these people just kind of like overreacting right and then the second time there's it's like clear cut at that point yeah, right yeah right. The, you're like oh, okay there's no, no question happened. like there's no <laughs> yeah. question
0: at that point like that that's what I didn't understand I was like the whole am I supposed to believe throughout this this whole movie like am I supposed to be questioning whether or not these people are being truthful or, or this this whole situation is real like Which? Be, because it's it seems that that's what Shyamalan wants us to be like questioning but But at the same time i didn't question it at all (laughs) no i don't think he
1: does because once that comes on that's what makes it clear where you're like well okay that's not that's that's not something that yeah there's no there's no way
0: yeah you can't justify it right (laughs) yeah you, you could predict one horrible thing from happening at some point also there was one interesting thing where one of one of the one of the guys was like, oh, well, they're, that's pre-recorded. Like, that already happened, and they're, like, showing us something that, that already happened. And they knew that it happened when they arrived. That was kind of an interesting little idea, but if you think about it for more than, like, two seconds, you'd realize, like, there's no way. Like, what did, what did yeah. they do? Like, record that and then, like, hook up a, hook up a Roku or something to the TV yeah. and, and play it without them knowing come on
1: i think it, like to me it wasn't because that was the thing that, that worried me i was like okay is this going to be because i think that's more so the book is like is there actually an apocalypse or not yeah
0: that's what i, I kind of figured
1: yeah and that's kind of what my wife told me is like even at the end you don't know if there actually was one or not so this movie it was like made it very clear and that was that point in time where i was like well it seems like he's fully committed to this. Like, you can't change this, because it's going to be awful if you do. Like, you can't just throw in a twist now. It's going to be god-awful. So I was really hoping that he would continue with that, and he does, thankfully. Because to me, it seemed like it wasn't about the apocalypse thing. It became more of a, you know, you're left with this decision of, you know, the world is ending. Are you going to sacrifice yourself for the greater population for the greater good or are you going to be selfish and say no it's us everyone else like you know it's actually just which
0: and also also you 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 have to it raises the question does humanity deserve to be saved yeah oh of course which i
1: think and that's the only thing that i'm like i'm kind of having an issue with is because you know he sets it up as okay you have to sacrifice which is you know like let's say it's climate change and they're coming to us you know between plastic straws plastic bags or COVID with masks and stuff and you know it's like you have to make this this sacrifice in order to try and save the climate i guess i'm not not forget about the COVID stuff I'm talking about the climate thing you know you, you have to make the decisions where where it's like okay Like, I'll stop using plastic straws, but there's still like 13 major corporations that are responsible for like 95% of everything. Like, me sacrificing doesn't mean shit. Right. Like, so that's the only thing that bothered me that it was like, oh, laid on this family. Like, okay, you have to make the sacrifice in order to save humanity, where it's like, that's not what's happening. Like, if they chose to, to save themselves. It's not necessarily being selfish. Like why is it fucking happening in the first place? Good question. You know, if it's a, some sort of creator bullshit, like why are we putting the onus on this one fucking family? It's your fucking world that you created.
0: Uh, Yeah. uh, It is. It is interesting that, and it feels like the family was, it's random. Like it seems like they just, they wanted to pick, a, yeah, it was just whoever
1: just, was in that house. Yeah,
0: it was just a random could have been any any American family. It's also interesting like like well I was going to say like why would it be an American family? But then again, like why if it <laughs> if it could have been any family if it was just completely random.
1: Yeah, but I think that plays into the, you know, the American selfishness.
0: And also the fact that like all of the 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 four, you know, people involved in this, everybody was from the U.S., right? weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we,
1: yeah. That is funny. <laughs> it's like, okay, every other country in the world,
0: even Rupert Grint, who you know, <laughs> like he, everybody, he, you know, he was putting on a fake accent for this. Like, you would think that there'd be that these these messengers you know would would at least be somewhat multicultural
1: yeah it is it it, that is an interesting thing that like if you found out later you know let's say you live in nigeria and you're just like well why the fuck did it come down to seven fucking people in the u.s (laughs) yeah the entire goddamn world what the fuck exactly (laughs) (laughs) like Uh, you could just destroy the u.s like
0: don't yeah yeah i mean shit Maybe maybe have like four people for like in every country or something or, you know, parcel it out a little bit more. But why are we putting all our eggs in one basket here, guys? It's just one, one fucking cabin in Pennsylvania. Because the other thing is, like, who's, who who is to say that these four representatives like that, that that they would wouldn't screw this whole thing up? you know cuz oh, they, yeah. they could have easily screwed the whole thing up too
1: oh yeah they could they could have definitely
0: screwed the pooch i mean i guess they were Which picked they i i know that they were picked for a reason like those people those four people were picked for a reason but uh yeah i don't know uh, uh, the, uh, part, part of me part of me likes that there weren't like crazy exposition dumps or anything where everything had an answer i i like a little bit of ambiguity with it but you know once you start picking this apart I feel like there's just there's too many ridiculous like questions that that come up here
1: I, I and I want to say because I, I didn't even get I kind of got sidetracked and I didn't get to the, the main thing here is that I liked this I was really into this movie that's good I like it was this simple it felt like a throwback simple movie where it's just like simple premise great pacing shot well good action enough uh you know enough compelling features to it the the ending i could have done without it like i like it went too far you know like it showed too much yeah that was like the main Uh, issue uh, that i had with it but for the most part like in the in the midst of watching it i was like man that felt good it felt like a hundred minutes went Bide just like that you know what i mean like hell it felt shorter than some of the fucking tv shows that i've been watching
0: <laughs> i kind of liked the ending actually i thought it was a an oddly sweet ending that i don't know i i didn't really see that coming thought uh, thought. although the very like the the end and like the very end i was just like meh all right let's let's roll these credits here buddy
1: I, like I think to, that's what, that's more so what I'm talking about yeah. the, like the diner. Yeah. Everything from the diner on us, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah yep. no, we can, we can stop. Yeah.
0: I was, I was referring more to, I guess, the climax. Um, I liked, uh, I thought Dave Batista was awesome in this. I like everything that Dave Batista is in and I just, I hope he keeps getting interesting roles to play because I think he's awesome. And He, I think he makes this movie. Like I think without him, this movie would not be nearly as engaging or entertaining. I think that he is, he is crucial to this movie. Very much so. Yeah. This movie doesn't work without him.
1: Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. So props to him for just continuing this uh, upward trajectory that he's on. Let's go ahead and give knock the cabin a score. What are you going to give it out of 10. I'm gonna give it a like a seven. Seven, actually. nice, wow. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it like a five and a half, like slightly above average for me. All right, let's move on. Talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I think it's my turn this week. Let's see. Hitting it. I will start with. Uh, I've been in this like detective mood lately. Like I've been playing these like Sherlock Holmes video games. And I'm really into those. And I've just been like kind of craving mysteries. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm, I, I didn't watch the, uh, the uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Agatha Christie movies, the murder on the Orient express and death on the Nile. I didn't, I didn't watch those. So I decided to, to give them a look, both of them. Yep. And uh, they're not very good. And I can't say as I liked either of them. Oh, no. Uh, they, you know, they have these really pretty good casts in them. Pretty, pretty decent ensemble casts, with the ex- with the exception of Army Hammer in Death on the Nile. What an unfortunate uh, turn of events Bad. that was. Bad time. Yeah, and he's. It, uh, I I honestly think that that hurt this movie. Like that whole because if you remember like that whole thing came out, like right when this movie was about yeah. to come out and I think that it definitely hurt it. Um, I think also just the fact that, you know, these are based on Agatha Christie novels and I just, they're old, you know, like they're old stories and I didn't find them to be particularly compelling. I will say that the visuals on both of them are phenomenal. Like the costumes, the production design. I mean, just outstanding. Uh, but aside from that, I wasn't particularly compelled by the, uh, the stories here. I I actually think that Ryan Johnson does a far better job with crafting, uh, entertaining mysteries with his, uh, knives out movies and, and poker face more recently. Yeah,
1: hmm. uh, I watched uh, Lucio Fulci's *City of the Living Dead* from 1980. Hell yeah! Watch out now. This is on Shudder and Tubi. I watched it on Tubi. Surprise! Naturally, um, yeah, gotta. So, uh, a psychic. She's doing her thing. She sees visions of something happening in Dunwich. Priest hangs himself. You know. People are going to start coming out of graves, start walking the earth, all that kind of stuff, right? She dies during the seance, and they're like, oh, fuck. This is serious business. They put her in the coffin, put her in the ground, bury her. And then there's this long, and this happens a lot in this movie, there's a lot of, like, back and forth. She's, like, scraping the inside of the coffin because she wakes up, and she's like, what the fuck? You know, I'm buried alive. God damn it. She's scraping, banging, screaming. There's a journalist. He's, like, walking away. And he's like, oh, shit, I think I hear something. And it's this continuous, like, cutting back and forth to, like, her scraping, banging, making noise. Cut to his face, where he's like, do I hear something? <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't move. He doesn't, like, inch closer to the coffin or anything. He's just like, do I actually? And then it cuts to her making a shit ton of noise. I think her nails are bleeding and all that stuff. Cuts back to him, and he's like, well, is it... I don't know. I got other things to do today. Cuts back to her, cuts back. They do that like 9 times where you're like at first it's like, oh okay, here we go. And then it just keeps going on and on where you're like okay, is this supposed to be like a comedic thing now? Cuz mm-hmm. like this is ridiculous. And then it will finally end. And they do it numerous times throughout the movie where you're just like, oh okay, they're building tension. And then it passes a point where you're like Okay, this is maybe supposed to be funny now, I guess. I don't know. But nothing else is funny about this movie. It's just bizarre. The editing is bizarre. Ruins the movie, really. Because the gore that you see is phenomenal. There's a woman that these zombies have powers. They just stare at you, they make your eyes bleed, they make you vomit up all your organs, which a woman does. Mm. And it looks phenomenal. It looks phenomenal. Mm. And then she reaches over it. They don't really, like, attack people and bite them. They grab you by the back of your skull and just crush it with their hand. Just crush that skull. Just get, get a handful of the back of your head, cave it in, pull your brains out. And that happens a couple of times, and it's just fucking insane. Because it's disgusting. It looks good but it also looks so good that it's disgusting and it's just it, it's unsettling so when that's happening it's incredible it's just unfortunate that there's just a lot of like lackluster story where you're just like oh boy the editing it's just it's like a light recommend like if you're in a zombie aficionado right check mm-hmm. it out yeah but there's better stuff out there
0: I, I'll be honest I have not Seen this? Uh, this is one that's been on my list forever, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Do it.
1: You're gonna like it. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I, I know I, I will. Have feeling,
0: I have a feeling you have s- sort
1: of the same issue as that I had, but overall, because when it's good, it's
0: good. Yeah. Cool. That's. I mean, I liked his other zombie movies and stuff. You should check out New York Ripper next. That's a really good one that he did. Will do. It's not. It's not a zombie movie. It's a. More, more of a Giallo. But uh, I, all right, that's a uh, City of the Living Dead. I saw The Keep from 1983. This is directed by Michael Mann. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I've been. I've, I've suddenly, like, out of nowhere. Last night, I was like, you know what? I want to catch up with some Michael Mann films. I want to rewatch Heat, and then I never mm-hmm. saw The Keep, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch The Keep. See what that's all about. So the keep is this this horror movie about a it's a giant keep, and it, like like this this building is insane looking. There's these crosses all over it. It's huge. It looks like a giant castle sort of. And this is during World War II. This uh, platoon of Nazis come into the. This keep they they are gonna use it as their their uh, place that they're gonna just kind of hang out in for a couple nights. You know, this is towards the I believe that this is on the towards the end of the war. And while they're in here, a couple of these Nazi bastards decide that they're gonna try to steal some of the crosses off the walls. Um, they find one that's made of silver, and when they pull it off, they don't realize it, but they unleash. The entity that is trapped inside this this keep and it starts killing these Nazis every night. Every night it's coming out and killing them. And it turns out that this thing that they unleashed uh, is desperately trying to escape and it's up to Scott Glenn who plays this kind of like basically like an alien Um, and he Goes out to to stop it. He he know he realizes that this demon has awoken, and he's got to go kill it once and for all. And you also have Ian McKellen in here as a uh, a uh, he's like an archaeologist who was studying the keep. So he like kind of knows the history. And it turns out that he he was in a concentration camp. They pull him out of the camp and. Have him investigate what's going on, and the demon like corrupts him because of all the shit that he went through in, in the concentration camp. And you know, it's all right. Like, there's a young Gabriel Byrne in here, too, who he looks like a little <laughs> kid. The crazy thing is, Ian McKellen looks the exact same. Like, this is a movie yeah. that came out in 1983, and he looked like freaking Gandalf back then. Mm-hmm. Or Magneto, like it, was, like is nuts. I don't, I don't even understand. Uh, yeah, but
1: he, he's, he's a weird
0: one. So bizarre, like he just he looked so old, and and part of it was that they made him look old in this because they they de-age him at one point. Like the demon gives him powers, and he gets younger. But even after they make him look younger, like he still looked. Like Magneto, I mean, age-wise. Anyway, the movie's okay. I I thought that some of the effects work was goofy. It was like some of that kind of seventies, early eighties, uh, like sci-fi stuff where ev- they, they they just used lots of light, like light shooting from people's eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the like demon design work looked kind of cool. Uh, it was like this sort of looked like um sort of looked like a, a human it was a, like a humanoid creature but it looked it had like, like the muscles and like the tissue were all like on the outside like there was no skin or anything but it wasn't like it wasn't like in Hellraiser when Frank comes back and he's like all slimy and gross it was like smooth it was like he was wearing this like muscle like suit it looked like something mm-hmm. from Attack on Titan or something but uh yeah it was um I don't know it was it was okay. You can definitely see the Michael Mann uh like style starting to come through here, but it's certainly not as well defined as in his uh later titles. Lots of slow motion in this, like random unnecessary slow motion.
1: Uh I have two that I'm going to do real quick. Uh first is Minari the lee isaac chung movie from 2020 finally got around to watching this uh not a whole lot to say outside of like a the filmmaking isn't like anything special but story performances all that everything is just phenomenal like it's just a nice time Mm -hmm. it's just a super nice time movie
0: just i loved that movie yeah it's just
1: it's so good so good so I, I would definitely recommend Minari if you haven't seen it yet uh and then the other thing that i want to talk about more so is my cousin Vinny. watched that last night because my wife has never seen it so going through my cousin Vinny again in 2023 which is you know it's something else this movie is <laughs> funny so <laughs> it's so good it's it's just insane Thinking about movies nowadays, like, the last couple of years watching movies and, like, what what movies come out. Like, just the idea of Joe Pesci at 49 (laughs) being a leading man, you know what I mean? And, like, Marisa Tomei being his, like, it's just insane. Like, that would never happen. That's just not something that would ever happen right now. Yeah. And just seeing a guy that's, like, ridiculously short and old-looking, you're just like, that just doesn't happen in this day and age anymore. Nope. 49 year old, you know, it got, <laughs> but it's so like I kind of forgot about Marissa Tomei. Like, I knew she was good in this movie, but like, this is her fucking movie. Like, it's Pesci's, but
0: it's I mean, she, she won an Oscar for this, so yeah,
1: like, it's always hers. Like, at any moment, she's just like, I could take this movie right now if I want to and make it mine. And it seems like she you know, she's kind of doing a favor for Pesci like oh, I'll back off I'll kind of stay out of this scene because if I come into the scene you're done for you're <laughs> done so it's my fucking movie from here on out because yeah. holy shit is she funny in this fucking movie
0: she's she's incredible yeah she's incredible in that. I watched this not too long ago we we covered this on uh, say by the 90s and so I'm, I'm pretty fresh on this one too and it was great to go back and because like for me I don't know if this was the same for you but like it had been forever since I saw, like, My Cousin Vinny, like, fully unedited, like, from start to finish. It's one of those movies that you always catch on TV. And mm-hmm. it's and, and so you'll see, like, part of it. Usually it's the end, the end half. Uh, and it's always, like, you know, edited for television and, and all of that. So it was really fun to go back and just watch the whole thing.
1: Yeah, because, like, when the movie started, I was like, oh, yeah, what did they get arrested for?
0: Exactly. Pesci? Like, that's that's the thing is everybody, everybody who sees My Cousin Vinny, it's always the end. Everybody tunes w- in at the end.
1: And I wonder if that's just, like, a TV edit thing where they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just start the movie from when Pesci uh, shows up in Arkansas. Uh, m-
0: or maybe. Alabama. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that that's just how it always works.
1: But still good. Still incredibly good.
0: Yeah, great. It, it really is. It really is a great movie. Uh, I saw F is for Fake from 1973. It's directed by Orson Welles. Uh, it is... I don't even know what you, what this movie is. I don't know what it is, but I know that I loved it. Yes. It is... Uh, have you seen this? Yes. This movie is incredible. Like, I, I, I didn't know if it was like... Is it a video essay? Is it a documentary? Is it is it a movie about him making this movie? Is it about mm-hmm. art for, art forgeries? Is it about the that that dude who uh, faked the autobiography of Howard Hughes? Like it's absolutely bonkers. Like when you watch this movie, like anybody, I feel like anybody else, if anybody else made this movie, with the exception of like maybe three directors. It would be an absolute god awful mess that wouldn't work at all. You'd just be like, what the fuck is happening in this? But Orson Welles, the way that he structures it, even though, like, you just, you never know where this movie's gonna go, it it, it keeps you so engaged the whole time because you're just like, okay, oh, all right, now we're talking about Picasso. Okay, now, like, He's saying that like his girlfriend uh, was the inspiration for for 22 of Picasso's paintings, and it's like, I mean, some of this has to be true, but but a lot of it is complete bullshit. And that was like the most endearing thing about it is like, at, at one time, anything and everything could have been true or false in this movie, and it was just, it was just so fascinating, man. Like, and also this came out in 1973 or he made it in 1973. It came, it came out, I think like in 76 or something. And like the techniques that he was using, like this was a very experimental film. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he laid the groundwork for a lot of the stuff that we see nowadays in like docu fiction and stuff like that. And I I just feel like it was, it was a movie that was way ahead of its time. And, I, yeah, I loved it. If you haven't seen F is for Fake, or F for Fake, uh highly recommend checking it out. It's on HBO Max. That's where I saw yes. it. Without a doubt. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Got Creed 3 coming out.
1: Creed 3? Yeah. All
0: right. I haven't even seen Creed 1. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think so.
1: Interesting.
0: I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I that I didn't see Creed one.
1: It's okay, it's alright.
0: Yeah, you're I mean, not it it's not that I'm not interested in the series, but it's just I don't know.
1: Like it, 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 this is this is what it is. It's a boxing movie,
0: right? Yeah,
1: everything that you would think that you're going to see, that's what you're going to
0: see. I'm honestly not a big fan of the Rocky series either. Like they're okay, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a huge Rocky fan. No. It's more of a Rambo kind of guy.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how many movies that we have born out of the Rocky series. Oh, yeah. Too many. Yeah. It's too many. Mm -hmm. Too many.
0: Uh, We also have Operation Fortune. That's the new Guy Ritchie one. Okay. Interesting. I haven't seen the last Guy Ritchie one.
1: I... I have a feeling I haven't seen the last like either <laughs> eight or two I have no idea how many movies he's has made
0: it's so funny because like so you know he, he started off real strong and then he fizzled out and then he started doing like he did like the Sherlock Holmes movies but then like he did he, he kind of went back to the the kind of gangster type movies and he did like The Gentleman and Wrath of Man. But, like, it feels like all of his movies are just starting to bleed together at this point. A little bit, yeah. It's not that I dislike him as a director nowadays. It's just, like, I liked Wrath of Man. I I thought that it was pretty good. And um, I liked The Man from U.N.C.L.E., too, which he did. I thought that was really fun. So, I don't know. It's... I I think that the weird thing about him is that he his uh his like his first two movies, you know, Lockstock and Snatch were just so strong and they came out at, a, at the just the right time for for us as young movie lovers.
1: And now he's just trying to capture that mm-hmm. again. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I'm not
1: like I've grown and I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> It, like also, it was fun for a teenage me.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. Also it feels like there's just something missing from from these like later entries too. Like I, I don't know like what it is, like but I, I just feel like some of the magic is is lost there. I don't know if it's like maybe the characters in these newer ones are are weaker than what we had in Lockstock and Snatch. Cuz like the style is still there, but yeah. there's just something else lacking. Anyway, those are the two big ones. We also have Children of the Corn, which is the remake, that's going to be in theaters. Um and then RRR is getting re-released in theaters. So that's oh, yeah. that's yeah, kind of exciting. Yeah. And then there's also a movie called Blueback which I believe got did get a, a wide release. So that's theaters. Let's take a look at VOD on the uh, 28th. We have a uh, close, which is only going to be released on the 28th. Uh, it's like a one night only a 24 screening type of thing. And then that'll be out later in March on VOD proper. Okay. I believe that that's nominated for an Academy Award.
1: I think you're right.
0: I think it's uh, foreign language mm-hmm. up for that one. Looks pretty good. I might I might watch this. Um, we also have Free Skate that's coming out on the 28th and Wolfgarden on the 28th. March 2nd, we have The Park, which is uh, it's like a horror movie maybe. We got Spoonful of Sugar on Shudder. Uh, and then on the third, we have The Year Between, Transfusion, which is a action movie. It's a Saban Films release. So mm. you know what mm-hmm. that's going to be all about. You know what you're getting into. Yep. We got The Donor Party, uh, which is a comedy, I believe. We got Split at the Root, The Little White Lie, The Burial the creeping we got love at first kiss and that's on netflix and looks like maybe that's about it for for vod all right blu-ray we got texas chainsaw massacre the original 1974 version that's coming out on uh, 4k so if that's finally getting a 4k release the Rocky movies are coming out again for like the eight millionth time. There's like some kind of uh the Rocky knockout collection that's coming out, and that's on four K. There you go. That includes Rocky one, two, three, and four. And then the fifth one I don't I don't know what this is. It's a, it says. that says there's Rocky four. And then there's Rocky 4 Rocky versus Drago okay so I don't know what the difference between Rocky 4 and Rocky 4 Rocky versus Drago like what the hell that is but yeah uh, let's see we have undead from 2003 uh looks like the uh, Leica movies are getting a new new 4k release it's like looks like all the Leica movies training day is getting a new 4k release. Devotion from last year, uh, Millionaire's Express from 1986, coming out on Arrow, uh, Hunt from last year. I guess it was towards the end of last year that, that came out. That's a uh, like a martial arts film, action film. That's okay. Yeah, it looks like the John Wick movies are coming out. I guess in in, in anticipation of the new uh, the new one, Chapter Four
1: understandable
0: and then it looks like a24 has a five film horror collection that's coming out also which includes uh let's see hereditary X the witch green room and it comes at night see it see see now it, it would bother me that you get X but you don't get uh the other one pearl
1: yeah yeah, you
0: don't get Pearl. That that would right there would like just kind of irk me. And you get hereditary, but you don't, you don't get, get Midsummer. mid-summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like come on. I guess that'll be that'll
1: be in the second box.
0: And it's still like I that that would bother me so much. I mean, especially the X one, because that's the first in a trilogy, and y- you don't get the other two. Like Yeah. <sighs> Oh, it looks like it's a Walmart exclusive, so that's probably why. There you
1: go. Cleared that up.
0: Yeah, what about Criterions this week?
1: Oh, we got two. We got a two-pack. got two films from Marguerite Duras. So, uh, two of her movies from the 70s, India Song and Baxter. Vera Baxter. Finally getting a uh, Blu-ray release. And then the other one, I like this. I'm a fan of this one. That's 1987's Hollywood Shuffle, the debut feature from Robert Townsend. Love this movie.
0: Nice. Is, um... Oh, no, that was last week. Never mind. Dazed and Confused came out on 4K last oh, week. Oh, yes. Yes. Looks like Marathon Man is also getting a 4K release.
1: Marathon Man?
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Not not Criterion, but... Maybe yeah. maybe should be. Yeah. I mean... Uh, that one's a classic slap it on there why not cool uh all right that's uh, gonna do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to podcasts at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a moment consider reviewing us on itunes that'd be great for kevin rakestraw my name adam patterson we'll see you next week